<laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm trying to think of how to uh, describe what happened to me this week. Well, look. I was going to say which one of these three things did... I'm going to say three <laughs> things to you and right. pick which one is the lie. Okay. But there's no lie. So <laughs> this this week is a bit ordinary. I, I ate some glass. I drank some booze. And I ate some dog food. What? Three different days. <laughs> three different things that happened. So does that. How was your week? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, so how it happened was uh, the dog food, I get <laughs> so bad I can still taste it. I have this, uh, I got them these rolls. I, so I've seen you feed, feed your dog these rolls. So these are, these are like gigantic sort of four inch diameter yeah. kind of logs of meat style material I and what it's... i do is i just lop the top off the plastic most of the way t- tip out that bit onto the grass he grabs that straight away and then usually i can just pull the sheath back and then lop off half of it jobs done two slices so i open it up take off the first centimeter take out that bit of meat and now i got to push this the sheath back the plastic that's wrapped around it and as i push that back and down up squirts dog food water <laughs> straight up and straight into my mouth and my dad was sitting beside me <laughs> he's just looking at me horrific the other one is uh family were doing baking and something fell out of one of the top shelves and my wife was having a glass of wine and it smashed and the glass smashed now down the other end is where the baking was but a rogue piece of glass went into the brownie mixture through the brownie mixture and i'm having some breakfast brownie like a day two days later because that's the kind As of champion i am <laughs> i'm uh, i'm in the back of the corner, <laughs> kitchen I'm like, oh. I'm like oh geez that was a bit crunchy swallow next bite and I'm biting I'm going oh god that was hard and, I'm like, and then it's hit the top of my mouth I'm like what the heck is that and I'm just all I want to do is get to the rest of my brownie and I pull out a chunk of glass so I'd swallow the whole lot and then the other one is how many is, days ago was this Have this is had? all just during the week right and the third one was I don't know why we bought it I was I cooked a special I did a special um, chicken dish and the kids get really excited about it it's a uh, really spicy nashville chicken is called and you serve it on on chocolate chip waffles and it, you go all wait, about wait 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 you tell the story and then i'm gonna come in all right go on so i think we were getting that and anyway one of my kids had been at your house and kirsten had non-alcoholic champagne and i haven't had it since then it was new year's eve when we were up at your house and they're like oh can we get some champagne can we get some champagne the non-alcohol stuff and I'm like, yeah. And anyone who doesn't know, I haven't drank alcohol in, in three years now, almost. And uh, that's something I'm quite proud of. <laughs> so we opened the, on Muslim the Sunday, opened the, the the champagne. I don't have any of it. And then it must have been Monday. I come out, I think we just finished our last interview. And I come in, it was late. And I just wanted something fizzy. And I opened the fridge door and there's the half bottle of champagne. And I was like, oh, great. So I go into my wife. She's not in bed. And I said, I'm going to go back out and do a bit more work. And she's like, yeah, Grant. She's like, what are you doing with that? And I held up this bottle of champagne. I said, I'm going to drink it. And I'm going to drink it from the bottle. And I went, go, go, 
Oh, Jesus, that's the real stuff. I didn't realise there was a, a real bottle of champagne in the fridge. So I just ended up necking a couple of gargles of that. Whoa. So yeah. how, did, how, how did you feel? Uh, no effect. Was it, was it a panic, though, for you? Uh, not really. Uh, yeah, but then I realised it's cool. Don't worry about it. Like it's... The real problem would be when your wife goes to the fridge the next day you know looking what, I for champagne. I think, yeah, I think it happens. My ball. I think uh, because that week I'd had dog food and glass, it, it was fine. <laughs> it's all you get desensitized to these kind of things. Well, I've got nothing to say this week. I mean, that's, there's no, <laughs> didn't eat, didn't eat dog food, didn't eat glass, didn't have any champagne. Yeah. So. You had a few gin and tonics with my wife. I'll tell you what I have been doing. Actually, I did. I did actually, and that was great, Craig. Um, I have been, since last week, uh, speaking to Kieran Kelly and talking about Ballycastle and drinking in Ballycastle, I was thinking about the drinking culture in Ballycastle because we were talking about the Snug and the House of MacDonald, this um, old bar in Ballycastle that dates back to 1790 or something. And one of the things I was thinking about it was that it was only when I went away to Scotland that I realised that it was completely normal where I was growing up that you would be in the pub till two or three in the morning. So and that was the way with most pubs. So it was, I, I think so. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just it wasn't just that one. Yeah, I mean the ones that I went to. Because I mean, what struck me was when I went to Scotland and then there was somebody coming around at eleven o'clock telling you to get out. Yeah. I was like, what? We've only just got here, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, I I've been just kind of wondering about that, and there was there's a real beauty about the leisureliness of that, and the fact that you could arrive in the pub at half past ten and. Uh, you know, there's no rush. There's nobody. Yeah, you know, I remember going to Ireland a couple of years ago, and I went down to Carberry's, which I've mentioned before, right. to see uh, some music. And I was getting to like half ten, and it was just it was still me, my wife, and my mother-in-law because I brought them down to see some music. Still no music in the joint. Oh, they'll be getting in around eleven. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so way off. I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> I could, I could be imagining this, but like I seem to remember that around the time when the troubles was ending, that there was a lot of anxiety that you know once the RUC or whatever was going to replace it uh, was able to resume normal civilian policing duties, that that did start cracking down on pubs and yeah. start you know making people close at half eleven or whatever time they're supposed to close at. You, I never actually knew what the closing time was. Was the north? On like the British closing times because they close at like they they I'm always uh, not not, not the English ones like the English closing times were always strange you know the English had that sort of thing you not close at two in the afternoon yeah. and well, then we used you to open do that in the south for a while right like when, probably before I was properly in the game but uh -huh. I remember that was definitely a thing but then I remember like the UK Sundays is like nine thirty or ten or something crazy I'm sure one of our listeners is is. Has got all this stuff yeah. down, yeah. you know. Yeah. So anyway, got you thinking about all the pubs <clears throat> open. It, it got me thinking. It was just a very nostalgic chat, and and um, I I always feel like uh, I was I wasn't expecting Kieran to talk about that, and I wasn't expecting a few weeks ago when we had our our chat about it. And there's always things that I, I that I wish I'd remembered to say, you know. Yeah. About the places that that I used to knock about, but I love anyway, it. It was great. It was so great um, talking to Kieran last week and hearing all that. It's actually thinking about looking into into someone's bringing up of their their young years. This is uh, today's guest does a great job of painting a picture for uh, 
what it's like coming up and oh it's so great so today's guest is katie brennan and she's a fiddle player she's a member of austral who blew woodford folk festival apart this year uh, it was amazing as if you see the videos you just look online we'll, we'll talk about that during the during the interview and um yeah we actually we caught up with the full band almost a year ago to the week oh maybe yeah anyway so we caught up with the band at um the celtic festival in port arlington here last winter and they are one of the really early episodes on the podcast and that's another one to go back and listen to just for the energy of the band cracking band and katie is a is one of the main reasons for that energy within the in the band and what a player yeah oh so great so uh, so that's that's this week's episode. And Before we do, just uh, want to mention our sponsor again. This is the the last time that we'll be mentioning Kill FM. So Dara, thank you so much for having Kill FM sponsor the Blarney Pilgrims. It, it means a lot to have someone like yourself and and your business think that we are worthy to to be uh, yeah. looked at for sponsorship. So Kyol FM is a streaming service. It's a, a place where you can go, and when you become a subscriber. You're able to customize a playlist depending on lots of different things that you can specify. You can decide you only want Ulan pipes and mandolin tunes <laughs> or, or harmonica and bazooki. bazooki. <gasps> Get out of my head. <laughs> and looking at and my it's, playlist it's again. cracking. <laughs> it's really cracking. So that's the place to go. Keol FM, C-E-O-L dot F-M, uh, If you're a, uh, a Spotify, which, which I am, and it's great. Like Spotify is great for your your rock and pop and techno and that kind of stuff. But I always found it sucked for for tunes. So like for me, anyone on a personal level, Kill FM has been cracker for just it's that ability just to dial into whatever you want. Yeah. So not much more to be said than that. Give it a whirl. It's the place to be. Yeah. And now we'll get on with some amazing playing from Katie Brennan, accompanied by Angus Barbary on Bazooki. Enjoy.
Katie Brennan, welcome to the Bellarney Pilgrims podcast. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day. So what did we just hear there? Um, that was three tunes, uh, three reels. So it was Roll Out the Barrel into Christmas Eve and then Castle Kelly. Um, there were sort of three tunes that I learned from my dad. So <laughs> yeah, I thought it right. was like, yeah. I think Dom was happy with his recognition of the tunes. I could see a smile on his face. I love Christmas Eve. I've loved Christmas Eve for years. It's one of my all-time favorite reels. I yeah, just... I love it too. It always goes off at a session like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's got it's got an amazing. Uh, uh, there's something about. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's a three-part reel, and and it just kind of builds and builds. And the the structure of the third part is. It's just incredible. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think it's like one of those ones. You, you do, yeah, you're right. Like it can just keep building throughout. And yeah, it's good. Is that a bit of a um, a bit of a like a guarantee you would hear at a session in Melbourne at the minute? Totally. Yeah, yeah right. um, gets played a lot at well, um, when the Wednesday night sessions was going with Patty Fitzgerald, that get usually gets played a fair bit there. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, played pretty often. <laughs> so Katie, you mentioned you learned it from your dad. So your dad is Jack Brennan, who we had on a good few weeks back. Um, great, um, Ellen Pie player. So we know that's going to be your introduction, but, um, what was your introduction to music outside of Irish music? Was it always straight into Irish music or did you have another path before that? Um, yeah, I pretty much... Uh, Irish music was probably yeah the first kind of music I was exposed to. Like, I've, I guess I've heard it since I can remember because um, my dad's like pretty passionate about Irish music and he's always been playing it ever since. Yeah, I can remember. So, um, I think when I was quite young, um, like dad had a couple of bands he was playing in. Um, he had one called the Carolyn Quartet, which it was um, himself on pipes and then harp. Uh, cello and violin and I remember the band coming around to our house um, they played sort of O'Carolan music which is um, music written by Turlock O'Carolan who was this blind harpist from the 16th and 17th century it's kind of like um, Baroque slash Celtic kind of music in a way um, mm-hmm. and I just remember quite yep, like at a young age um, like mum would be putting me and my sisters to bed and they'd be practicing in the lounge room um, so like just drifting off hearing them practice um, or another band he was in as well was um, it was a bit more of an upbeat kind of band playing tunes and that and they'd be practicing again like in the living room and we'd just be around that all the time I guess. Um, Do you remember what your impression of that type of music was as a as a young girl? Like, Because uh, yeah. everything else is going on around you and it's a, I would, even for someone growing up in Ireland not to have traditional music around me anyway would have been a bit of a, a weird one when there's so much I don't know pop music happening and top 40 hits and everything else is competing for your attention yeah um it was just very normal really like uh I think as I got older I realized that it wasn't normal <laughs> and like no one else really knew that kind of music but like <laughs> as a very young girl it was just like very normal to hear that I guess and to have be surrounded by music which I'm forever grateful for to like yeah have like I guess that music around me like having music just live in the house all the time and like things like um 
even like if mum was getting us up for school and dad would be waiting for like the coffee to boil and he'd have just be playing a tune in the kitchen while we're getting ready for school or like he'd have a whistle in the car as he's taking us to like a music lesson or just somewhere and as he'd stop at the red lights and just pull the whistle out out and start playing a tune at the red light I never thought anything of it like it was just the normal thing that happened (laughs) but um as I get older I guess um yeah I discovered other music in that and uh that yeah caught my interest as well so I guess I branched out a a lot from listening to trad music yeah (laughs) did um did mum play um, no, mum doesn't play music. She definitely like appreciates music and listens to it. But um, I think she tried picking up the tin whistle maybe uh, when she met my dad, but uh, she didn't really take it very far. <laughs> but she definitely um, likes the Irish music and um, yeah, just also just enjoys music in general. But yeah. I guess she'd need to, right? Yeah, I think it's a big commitment marrying a piper, I think. Yeah. (laughs) You're marrying them and the pipes. (laughs) But yeah, so. um, There's a lot that's very intriguing there, Katie, including your description of O'Carlin's music as being Baroque crossed with Celtic, which makes a lot of sense to me because when I first heard an O'Carlin tune or tried to play it, I I, I mean, I just didn't know what to make Mm. of it. It didn't really fit in my notion of what Irish music was but of course it sort of predates a lot of um the stuff that I would take as being you know yeah. quote-unquote Irish yeah true um what what's the is it more well it was composed for patrons really wasn't it and sort yeah. of I, I think Anglo-Irish gentry and so he would go around and he would have patrons and that's where you know planksties come from right so Planksty would be a tune that was written for somebody. I think uh, is that completely wrong, Katie? No, as far as I'm, I'm aware, yeah, as far as I'm aware, that that sounds about <laughs> right. Like it was, um, right? Yeah, it was composed for um, the higher yeah, class. So has that, it got so a different? Does it? Does it have a different? Oh, feel totally, to it? totally. It has. It has a sort of, um, I would say, almost courtly feel. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining. I guess, and definitely a European. Yeah, that's a good descriptive yeah. word. Which, yeah. I, which I guess is what a lot of um, noble families would have been going for, right? But his his name comes up a lot. Like, you know, who are the, does he have contemporaries which are also which I just don't know of? I couldn't um, tell you. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm not sure myself. Like, <laughs> he's the one. He's the one who, yeah, who survived. Sure. Yeah, you know, much like George Michael is the one out of Wham. Who everybody <laughs> remembers. I often think of Wham when I think of Carolyn. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, so I think, Katie. But then, what was your? Um, so you, you're young. You're around the house. You're hearing the whistle. You're in the pipes. What was your next step? Um, yeah. Um, I, I have this memory like I don't know if it's warped in my mind now but I just remember um, one of the bands dad was playing in there was a violin player in it um, her name's Catherine Fraser and she's a great Scottish fiddle player and um, I know she like she runs a few like music camps around I think Australia and New Zealand now but uh, she was playing in dad's band for a bit and um, I just have this memory of like I was quite young at the time and they were playing a pub gig somewhere and I was just like watching her play. Uh, I don't even know what it was, but um, I was just taken by um, the violin, like to the, I don't know if it's just like the motion of it and, and the rhythm that she was playing, but 
I don't know, something captured my interest and I think I asked Dad, like, I'd, I'd like to try playing it and I think, yeah, he was happy that I was showing an interest. So um, I think I was about six or seven and um, I got a little violin and then um, I started out getting a few lessons from Cassie and then, um, and then I got another teacher um, who started teaching me sort of more down the classical route and I ended up doing pretty much mostly classical training until I was about uh, 18 or 20, I think. So I did, yeah, mainly classical music growing up um, with hearing, still hearing tunes and everything on the side and picking up the odd tune here or there. But I guess I wasn't really huge into the um, traditional, mu like traditional Irish music um, for a long time. It was actually quite a lot later um, that I really got into playing it, even though I'd sort of grown up with it. Did you feel like you were, did you feel ownership of the classical when you were learning that? Did, was that something that you were invested in? Um, yes and no. Like, um, yeah, the classical music was, um, it's a different kind of world. Like it's very, I don't know, like quite a competitive kind of world. And, um, there were times like when I really, I did enjoy some of the pieces that I played, but um, I, for the most part, I found it quite challenging. I started off doing the Suzuki method, which is, um, uh, it's a, I think it comes, yeah, from a, um, Mr. Suzuki. <laughs> he, and it's very much based on um, uh, like listening to music and then um, like sort of learning orally. Um, and I, I was quite um, I found that method quite natural, like I found it quite easy to hear tune, like hear music and learn it just from hearing it. Um, and then I changed teachers and then um, started doing the Australian Music Examination Board with all the different grades and all of that. Um, and that's very much focused on reading music. And I found that, um, yeah, quite challenging because it was much more of a very, I don't know, like a much more of like a mental exercise or like, um, like an intellectual kind of challenge with like reading music and um, in some ways that kind of took away with the focus just being reading music. I, I don't know, like kind of sometimes took away the musicality of it or I found it hard to connect with the music sometimes. Um, but it definitely taught me a lot like in terms of technique, which I have no regrets about. Like I really appreciate having, I guess, that foundation um, but yeah, and I took it all the way to like about 18 or 20 and then I was, um, playing in like a youth orchestra as well in Adelaide. Um, and some of that, like I really enjoyed, but it, again, it was just like very challenging pieces. And, um, sometimes you just, I don't know, you had this feeling like you were never good enough. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Like you sort of go to lessons and, um, feel like you sort of been scrutinized and then um yeah just like I think that feeling of just not you're never going to attain that perfect level like it's all about yeah how good you are or something I don't know but I found that a bit challenging I guess yeah the other side of it must be quite challenging too coming from Suzuki if you like if it's particularly if you find that's something that you that came quite naturally to you to then because I, I don't really know much about that world Right. And the way you said it is you're learning by ear, you're listening and repeating and trying to work things out. Yeah. And that to a personality type is going to 
it sounds like it would click to then move into something which is a lot more about technique and following things to a to precision yeah that must be a tough well a tough leap probably i don't know would it even be harder than just learning straight there's no there's no improvising you just learn to read it yeah um yeah like it's great skill to have to be able to read music like but um yeah it's definitely a lot harder i just i found like yeah if i was trying to read music it'd take me so much longer to understand the piece of music i was playing and sort of hear the musicality of it i guess like um and a lot of the time i would just cheat anyway and just like listen to it so then i could understand the piece and then like play it a bit quicker because yeah i found that just a lot easier way to learn for me but um yeah like i i can so relate to that you know and i i it, it's never occurred to me until I'm sitting here right now in this moment as you were describing that I kind of thought oh that's partly why I str- struggled so much with a lot of the things that I was trying to learn when I was a kid was because I had no idea what they sounded like none yeah. whatsoever seeing it on the page and there was nobody there to play it and you know I, it wasn't like I could just look it up online I'd have to go up to the library and try and order a cassette or something I know that would come about six yeah. months later I had no concept of that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, that's something I just found really hard. Like you sort of have this page, like you kind of have to, yeah, like um, decode it because and it's all written there. But yeah, you just have to, um, you know, I'd have to play it so many times um, when I was reading it to just sort of get the feel of it. Whereas if I could listen to it, I guess I maybe in some ways that's a bad because then you're hearing someone else's interpretation, but. Uh, it would just let me understand the music a lot better or something and then I felt like I could play it better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like seeing something in two dimensions or three, right? You Yes, uh, I guess so, yeah. I'm thinking about that. Yeah. The yeah. only reason I thought of that was because I've spent all day with my kids about you just doing like... two dimensional shapes and three dimensional <laughs> shapes. So a long day yeah so, so with with Catherine how long how long did you have lessons with Catherine for oh uh, it wasn't too long I reckon I had about oh, three or four lessons with her we're just going through very basic things like how to move the bow across the string or like the notes on the stave and yeah where we, where your fingering is and then um yeah I, I soon moved to another teacher I think her name was Judy Fletcher who taught me yeah the Suzuki method and then I had a couple more teachers after that who went through the um, AMEB grades with me, which, yeah, for the most part, I found stressful. I hated doing, like, the exams and all that. I just cracked under, like, yeah, completely cracked under pressure. (laughs) So, yeah, it was just the stress. That's kind of stress I didn't really enjoy. (laughs) And and so this is a really parent-driven question, but what what was your, what, what kind of role was your dad playing at this time? Because if he's... He's so entrenched in in Irish music and the pipes and the whistle. What kind of influence is he? In, is, what kind of dabbling is he doing at this stage? Um, yeah, like Dad was, I guess, always playing tunes all the time. I think for me, like I found um, as I got a bit older, I sort of, I don't know if I really connected with Irish music a whole lot. Um, like I would hear it all like I like with dad playing the whistle I just hear it so much that it would almost like lose its musical sound like (laughs) sometimes dad would be playing the whistle and I couldn't even hear it as music it was like it sounds really weird but it was like 
like dad's like second voice or something like it didn't even sound like music to me and sometimes like um I didn't really go to many sessions growing up or like I didn't really hear a lot of it outside of the house and I don't know I guess like there's a small sessions scene in Adelaide um and I went to a few sessions I think with dad and my sisters but um I guess a lot of the time, a lot of the sessions I did experience were, um, it was a lot of an older crowd and I don't know if I just, I don't know if it was just seemed to be cool or like there was just no one my age playing that I felt I could connect with or yeah, it just felt a bit distant, I guess. And so I would play the odd tune here or there and, um, with dad, like, yeah, he would teach me some tunes sometimes or at a session I'd pull out a couple of tunes that I knew but I guess I didn't really I don't know if I really sort of connected with it a lot of the time or um felt a desire to sort of play it um and then it wasn't until um yeah a bit later on I guess when um I started going to festivals and that I guess yeah got a bit more into it (laughs) yeah and it is interesting I was kind of the reason I asked that is just I suppose thinking of my own kids and I'm sure Tom the same that uh how much you you drive them towards something and the more you drive them towards something is often the thing that could end up being the thing pulling them in another direction so it's interesting mm. to hear kind of what your um your upbringing was like um do you think we could have another tune and then we can yeah, talk about sure. some other uh other, other cool things I have on my list here anyways Thank you. 
Katie, what a lovely piece. What was that called? Thanks. Um, that was two jigs. Um, it was called the the first one was the orphan, and the second one is Princess Nancy. Um, I learned those two from Ewan Baker, who was I think on the podcast not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I learned them at um, the Lake School in Croyd, which um, is a like a a week that runs at the start of January. Um, they have a, a lot of um, teachers down there teaching Irish traditional music and Ewan one year I was I think I was like 16 or something and Ewan was teaching violin down there and um yeah he taught those couple of tunes to me so yeah really nice great that's actually exactly where I was, I was going to ask you about because I know we've spoken before and you just mentioned that uh you didn't really come to Irish music until you started to go to folk festivals and I, I know Lake School is not really a folk festival but w- what was your transition what was your aha moment music yeah um I think it was uh so when uh I think yeah I was about 16 and um I I went to the lake school with my whole family um my two younger sisters and mum and dad um and took part in uh some of the fiddle the fiddle class there that Ewan was teaching and I think there I sort of met some sort of the younger people playing and like this whole community of other people I'd yeah never met before playing trad music and um it was really just like a really it's got such a beautiful community of people there and it was just so nice to be like a part of that so I guess um that uh got me sort of interested a bit more in tunes but then um I so was it young is that because it was young people in your class as well so it wasn't just yeah other families around but you were in a class with what a similar age people yeah kind of I think one of the things is in I guess because the scene is a bit small in Adelaide like I just never met anyone my age playing tunes or even saw anyone my age playing tunes I don't know I think it was important to me because I just feel like um it's partly like making, making, you got to sort of make it your own somehow and go on your own journey of discovery to really take like ownership of the music. And I guess growing up, like it was always something I heard from my dad and I saw, I guess, an older generation playing as well, but Mm. I just didn't feel sort of a part of that, I guess. Um, And it's not, I didn't, it's not that I didn't dislike the music. I just didn't really have a, um, yeah, like that kind of ownership or just feeling of, like discovering it and going on that journey of like discovering it, if that makes any sense. Completely, um, yeah. Yeah, so it was later when I was um, about 20 and I just, you know, I'd done all this classical music and um, I was being playing in a youth orchestra, like I said, and like I really enjoyed some of that. Um, I enjoyed it. also found it, yeah, really challenging as well. But um, I sort of took a break from music completely for like a year or so and um, I was more just focusing on studies and um, going through doing a degree at uni and then did a year of honours and I guess that was all my focus and then I got to the end of all of that and I think it was like a little bit burnt out at the end um, as well Um, and someone mentioned to me that I should go up to uh, a festival called Woodford Folk Festival. It was actually, um, yeah, my dad um, and his partner, Ellie, um, 
were going up there and Ellie said I should go up. Um, she said I, I might like it. So and I'd never really been to festivals up until then. Like I'd never really gone. Like um, I guess like Dad had always gone to like Port Fairy Folk Festival or the National um, and I'd heard about them but I never really experienced them myself. So uh, me and my sister and yeah, we, um, we went up to Woodford and it was just like... I can't even explain <laughs> if anyone who knows me knows how much I love this festival, but it was just like walking into this other world. I couldn't believe like there was just, you know, folk music and um, I don't know. It's just like walking into another planet. And I just remember like it was this Sunday afternoon at Woodford. It was like really hot in one of the big stages. And there was like this sea of just like young people, just like thousands of by probably like a thousand or more people and everyone's just like moshing to this band called the Peat Bog Fairies which is like this band from Scotland they do like play trad music with some electro beats behind them but I just couldn't believe that like there was like hundreds of these like young people just moshing to tunes it just like blew my yeah. mind <laughs> I don't know it just no, I, I'm particularly coming from like if you're saying you're coming from like if you're in South Australia and there's no one young playing any kind of tunes and the next moment yeah. you're going into and from what I know of Woodford is that it's a it's a pretty intense festival it's a, it's a long festival too right and oh, people kind yeah. of commit to it it's, it's a, almost like a way a, of life for a, a while yeah it's a journey like it runs from Boxing Day to New Year's and um, the best way to experience it is just to, like camp there for the whole week um, and just like completely immerse yourself in it um, but yeah it's it's um just yeah there's amazing music and uh there's a really strong community surrounding Woodford as well who um yeah I just like love the festival and go every year and yeah I've, I think I've been back like almost every year since that first time I went which yeah. was like eight years ago but I think yeah after Woodford um after that first time I ever went I was just like hooked on like going to these folk festivals, like these amazing places I'd never really experienced. And so I think I just like started going to every single one that I could. <laughs> and, and is um, that when you polished the fiddle off again and, and got back into music? Yeah. Um, well, what happened uh, that first time I went up to Woodford, um, my sister and me discovered this artist, um, a Canadian artist called Tim Chasen. Um, he actually is like the fiddle player in a band called the East Pointers. Um, this particular time we saw him, he was doing a solo tour with, um, I guess, the singer-songwriter. Um, and when we went back to Adelaide, he was touring around. We thought, oh, let's go see him play. He was coming to Adelaide to play. So we went to his gig and um, he was doing like his whole singer-songwriter thing. And then at the end of his gig, the last thing he played, he ripped out his fiddle. I didn't even realise he played fiddle and just like launched into playing like these Canadian fiddle tunes and I don't know what it was um he had a uh a, a, a guy there backing him on guitar as well who actually turns out to be one of our mates now but um it just blew my mind like I don't know it was just his the energy that he put into playing the, like the music and like the, just the energy from the tunes like everyone there was just like tapping their foot and um I don't know it just it was so exciting for me to see someone playing tunes with such like high energy and um after that I think I just almost that night I just went home and like started like learning as many tunes as I could <laughs> yeah so I love the idea um, of thinking that you, because of your upbringing you've got you've all the wiring is there and then it takes a moment like Woodford and then all the electricity is now 
running it's all turned on right it was kind of yeah it was kind of like that for me like I had all these tunes I guess like in my head and some of my I like I had a very small repertoire of tunes I kind of could actually play but um like I guess I saw like a place where I could I don't know yeah it was just like seeing other people recontextualizes a whole lifetime of tunes as well you've kind of yeah (laughs) Yeah, like so, in some yeah, in some ways like it wasn't I wouldn't say like lonely, but I just I couldn't have anyone to sort of share it with, you if you know what I mean. Like apart from my family, it was it was very there was nowhere else where it seemed to fit in my life. And then finally like I found this place where just people get like other people got it and like played it and celebrated it and it just it was amazing for me. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do when you go back to Adelaide? Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I just started listening to albums actually um, and trying to just learn tunes from albums and I think I uh, I bought even like this little looper so I could like learn tunes and then also practice backing as well. Um, I just wanted to learn as much as I could and, um, and then I started trying to uh, go to a few more sessions in Adelaide um, and then I, yeah, I guess I met, um, uh, uh, well, a couple of people that I now play in a band with, which is Angus and Connor, um, and a few other younger players in Adelaide too. There's only a small number of us, but yeah. <laughs> so for people that don't know Angus or Connor, um, do you, do you want to tell us about who each of those are? Yeah. Um, so, um, Angus and Connor and myself and, uh, um, another guy, Reese Crimin from Melbourne. Um, we play in a band called Austral. Um, and yeah, Connor and Angus and myself sort of formed Austral in Adelaide. Um, just at a session one night. Um, we just sort of met each other through the session scene and um, had started playing more tunes together and that. And then um, now Angus is also my partner. <laughs> So, yeah, we met through and that. And that's who we heard on Bazooki before? Yes, so that was uh, Angus playing on Bazooki before, yeah. <laughs> but also but he's I, an amazing violin player as well. <laughs> if we could ask for another tune, I reckon that's probably a great time to, to have one and then we can go back and get into into Austral and, and all yeah, things bangers. Yeah, no worries. Sure thing.
Hello. That wasn't too shabby. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a couple of reels. Um, it was Dr. Gilbert's into another tune called Siobhano Donald's. Um, yeah, those are a couple of tunes. Um, I think I had learned Dr. Gilbert's and um, Angus had learned Siobhano O'Donnell's and we did like a bit of a tune swap when we sort of first met each other. <laughs> yeah. so. so what what was the, the first meeting of, for you two? How did you meet? Yeah, it was in Adelaide at a session um, called, oh, where was it? Um, somewhere in North Adelaide. Um, I'd just come back from like a trip overseas. I sort of went over to Europe and I did a Kentucky tour. Um, and then I came back and I was just like looking for some new things to do. So, um, yeah, I just decided like I really wanted to get into playing more tunes and went along to a session because um, I hadn't really been going to the Adelaide sessions much before that um and yeah I walked into a session and it was most people I'd recognize and there was like this sort of uh tall lanky guy sitting there I'd never seen before and I think I said hi to him the first night but I was a bit too shy to talk to him and then um I went back the second week and uh, we got chatting I think on the way into the session and then um yeah we sort of just hung out uh, we're chatting playing some tunes together and then we all we left the session and um Angus was sort of mentioned oh yeah I was thinking maybe I was going to go out to Woodford this year I was like oh hello <laughs> but um, <laughs> um yeah and then I think after that we just um yeah um played in a few sessions and then um we met yeah Connor as well the three of us sort of I think we decided to form a band and we just were hanging out a lot more. Um, I remember on Friday afternoons um, we were going down to the markets uh, in Adelaide and we'd just like play some tunes in the evening and that was like a regular thing that we did. And um, yeah, uh, and then we just sort of started coming up with some new repertoire, like putting some sets together. And I think the following year we decided we should just like apply for some festivals and try playing. Um, yeah. And where in Adelaide were the sessions happening that you were going to? Um, yeah, there's a few. There's one at a place called the Governor Highmarsh, which is every Friday night starting about 9pm. Um, there was another one. Um, there was one on Sunday afternoons. It alternated between two venues. One was the Lady Daily and the other one... I can't remember the name of the other pub, but uh, it was like every second Sunday. And did they all have a different vibe? Um, to be honest, they were pretty all similar. Those sessions were all pretty similar because um, I guess the same people sort of went to them. <laughs> um, then, <laughs> but there was actually one on a Tuesday night. Um, it was just once a month at a little place called um, oh, what's it? the Wheat Sheaf Hotel, which is... A sort of like a small live music venue in Adelaide um, and yeah just every Tuesday night there was a um, session there and that was really lovely it was just it's like very mellow session and there was uh, quite a few people from the sort of Scottish uh, scene as well who would come in and have tunes too and um, I think yeah yeah I really enjoyed that one that was a bit different I guess. And so when yourself and Connor and Angus are playing then you're playing fiddle Angus is playing fiddle and presumably a bit of bazooki or guitar or whatever and then Connor would be playing pipes and whistles is that right yeah um and I was trying to learn a bit of guitar myself so Angus and me would sort of swap between backing and then um yeah and then 
either one of us would play fiddle and then corner on the pipes and whistle. Um, and then in Adelaide as well, we also had a couple of other friends who um, we sort of got to join Austral as well. There's um, a great guitarist, um, Sam Arthurson, and a flute player called um, Michael Drennan. So those uh, those guys also played with us for a little bit too. Um, when did Reese end up? What, what, what kind of when did he enter enter into the band in the timeline? Yeah, so um, uh, it was I think it was maybe a year later. I decided um, I I'd been thinking about moving to Melbourne for quite a long time, um, just because well, I um, I had a lot of friends here. So when I I was part of the Lake School, there's a program that's run called the Stars of the Lake and. I had taken part in the Stars of the Lake program. So it's run by Jeff MacArthur and basically the idea is getting a whole heap of like young people, well, not a whole heap, but like a group of young players together um, to form a band and you have sort of like an intensive week of coming up with a whole heap of material to play and then at the end you sort of perform it. Um, and the great part of that program is that um, they have a – thing I guess it must be like a, a a deal with Port Ferry Folk Festival where you are guaranteed like a show in that sort of like the fringe area of Port Ferry um and it's a really good springboard for sort of getting into playing and festivals on just getting used to like performing on stage and knowing what to do and like learning about stage presence and um yeah how to put on a show and whatever so and that's um, what catapults you right straight into the getting yeah. into the bigger stages and into like all, all doors are open for that window yeah right? absolutely like um it was that is exciting uh, i was awesome to be part of so i played with um the group i was playing with it was um rhiannon MacArthur, who's a amazing songwriter and guitar player um and geordie hickey on the bass and another um girl as well ari lane who's also a singer songwriter it's also like an all girls band and um we were together for about two years um we had a lot of trouble coming up with a name for our band we settled with the drowsy maggies but i don't know if any of us were ever really happy with that <laughs> and um yeah we had we, we did a few things together like we yeah we had an album and um yeah, we just, we played like quite a lot of folk festivals together and that was, um, yeah, like really exciting, like um, having gone to all these festivals and then to suddenly be able to like play them was like just such an amazing experience for me. So, um, and we, yeah, we played together for a couple of years and then um, one of the members, Ari, of our band, she sort of left to do her own thing. But um Geordie and Rhiannon and myself were um, still like pretty good mates and I even um moved when I moved to Melbourne I was living with them for a little while and they're still like really close friends of mine so it's yeah it was just really nice to ha yeah have that experience and make meet them and that so when I was in Adelaide um while I was living as Adelaide I was I took part in that program so for about a year or two I was flying into state all the time to sort of be playing trying to play all these gigs that we had over here in Melbourne and um I, I think I just also wanted to move to Melbourne and have get just get out of the hometown for a bit and just challenge myself I guess and live in a new place and 
Um, I'd always liked Melbourne because uh, we'd come over here as kids too. My mum's from Melbourne, so I was at some family here. And I just decided, yeah, I'd like to come and move here for a bit. And mainly just because, yeah, the music scene here is amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I moved over here. And then um, Angus and myself were together at the time. But, um, yeah, he moved soon, uh, a little bit later on. But it just meant that the, the guys I was playing with in Austral, it kind of, yeah, the band sort of was in a bit of limbo for a bit. But, um we, we still tried to yeah keep up with each other, I guess. But um, when Angus and myself moved to Melbourne, uh, we were going to like all the sessions, like as many sessions as we could. And we ended up meeting Reese at one of the sessions on a Wednesday night, a Paddy's session, actually. Um, um, before we talk a bit more about um, Austral development, uh, um, can you paint a picture for me of yourself going to maybe the first festival that you go to where you're playing. I mean, because that's such a, oh, yeah. such a beautiful <laughs> moment to be going and just to have your pass and to be like... Yeah. You know, it. It's just incredible. It's such a great feeling. Oh, right? yeah. It was... Oh, my God. It's, it was pretty nerve-wracking to start, but also... Where, the second, where was it? The first one I played at, yeah, it was Port Ferry Folk Festival with... Um, oh, so nothing, Rian- nothing major then. Right? <laughs> Just a little thing down the coast. It was like I think it was like a fringe a fringe show show or something. Um and so that was with the Drowsy Maggies with yeah. Um uh yeah, that was just really cool to be part of. Um we had a I think we had about three shows there. I just remember like being so, so nervous though, like um it took a lot of practice it's it take took me a lot of like practice actually just being able to play more confidently on stage it's definitely a skill in itself to just um just yeah stop thinking so much on stage and just like embrace the music and just play and try and forget about everything else like yeah that's a skill to learn (laughs) with performing I think well you guys seem to do it effortlessly now that was something I wanted to bring up (laughs) your 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 stage work is so on point as a band oh, thank you. <laughs> and i think it's one of those things that people probably don't give enough credit to like the like the footage that i've seen of you woodford or the night markets around here and i know i've heard you guys speak about even just when you're busking to to stop a crowd and then get them to to be moshing to trad music is no small <laughs> feat at all and you guys do it like week in week out uh, thank you um yeah i guess that's part of our intention, I guess, as well with Austral is like, um, we want to be able to make people, or certainly my intention is like, I want to be able to, yeah, make people dance or like generate that kind of energy that just like makes people want to like tap their foot or like feel the need to just like get up off their seat and join in like. Um, so where, where else are you getting that from? Like what, what are you into, are you into other like, techno or like raves or (laughs) um yes like I'm a big techno fan as well (laughs) um because I guess (laughs) um yeah like I think when I was also growing up like I remember when I was 13 I got like this radio um or like cd player with radio or something and it like sort of I guess um up until then I hadn't really had anything of my own to like listen to my own music and obviously like tunes are just like all those all the time and there was like just always like the um, Planksty or 
um, uh, Martin Hayes and all these like amazing trad musicians, but like just nothing outside of Irish music. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I had like my own like little CD player and um, what were you listening to? Um, Name some names. Well, they had this station in Adelaide. It's called 92.7 Fresh FM. And it's like, is a dedicated electro station. And I just, I don't know, I heard that and I just loved it. And I'd like tune into it all the time to listen to it. And yeah, I just got into some people like uh, um, uh, Fortet or Jamie XX or um, Marabou State. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess some of those kind of electro vibes. Um, so it was then the that party atmosphere really to me it sounds like you were instantly trying to replicate that no not instantly you were trying to mm. there was the, the moment when you went to Woodford and you saw that Scottish band and, and a couple of thousand people moshing <laughs> that's definitely the vibe that Austral pull out of people yeah that, that blows my mind that you've just got the, the peat bog fairies right back at the start of this whole journey and you where you are now right yeah like um the other band i think that i really i'm probably like the biggest fangirl of is the east pointers um who i don't know have you ever heard of them before like or i don't know them no they're a canadian band um and it's just three of them on stage it's uh violin banjo and guitar but um they pull a crowd like no one else and it's just like all just traditional music like traditional instruments but they will just get up like it's impossible to just stay sitting at their gig they just literally will get crowds of people dancing I think I also saw them like in the uh probably like the second year I went there and I was just like instantly in just in love with this band and I think they've been a pretty big influence on me in like terms of having just trad, um, traditional instruments, but uh, I guess trying to replicate maybe some of those beats or uh, I don't know, just trying to um, make it really um, danceable or um, really up-tempo and that, I guess. Well, when you when you met um, Reese, was that? Because was, Reese brings a very definite... Um, mm energy to the to the band and mm-hmm. please yeah so um i should explain so reese well you probably explain better what reese plays he plays what does he play uh, yeah, you tell me he, he <laughs> um he plays guitar and then he plays an instrument called well he plays he plays a didgeridoo but he has like a special didgeridoo called the didgeridoo bone which is um just like piping which you can extend or um retract and it changes the tone of the didgeridoo so he doesn't have to carry like around a million different tuned didgeridoos and then he has like this yeah amazing like foot uh foot percussion kind of setup as well and he has um he's been like busking for years and has um like yeah really nailed his setup and he just like has this amazing ability to just like pull crowds in just on his own like with his just with his setup um so um, I think, yeah, they, we, we got chatting to him at a session or I think Angus did and then wanted to sort of do a bit of a collab and he came over to our house one time and then we just like really loved the sound that he had and it just seemed to really work with the tunes with having um, traditional tunes but like with some didgeridoo underneath it and yeah, I don't know, it just seemed to kind of work and we sort of kept going with that sound I guess. I think there's something like a bit tribal in the sound Completely. of it. Or, I don't know, like yeah. What grabbed me with hearing you as a as a band is definitely some of the 
I don't know if it's tribal. Maybe, maybe I think it's probably the same energy. But for me, it tapped into some of those things that I love about techno. It's almost less is more in in a lot of cases, and particularly Reese's percussion can often have a lot of that. Where really, it's about he he for me gives very little, but that little thing that he that he gives it, and when he gives it just melts everything together yeah and then then yourself and angus are very visual on stage as well (laughs) yeah i think um race is like a master of also building the music so he's very good at um like knowing when to bring things up and then bring it back down again and um i can sometimes like work the crowd and one of the things in austral that we one of our sort of things with when we're com- um, putting together like arrangements, if we really want to make like a party set, is like um, folk- like looking at when we're going to build it and then how do we like you know make the drop, and which makes everyone just like go on to go crazy again. <laughs> so I guess that's something we do when we're arranging the music, and um, and then we have just like experimented with stuff when we're busking on the streets and that in Melbourne, seeing what works and what doesn't and what sort of sets sort of stop people in their tracks and what sort of doesn't work and um yeah I guess we're still experimenting with all of that as well but um yeah what is I have to share but like yeah the most exciting thing that ever happened with our band so far is um I've been applying back like to Woodford for like years now ever since I started going with like the bands that I've been playing in but we finally got into Woodford just last year and got to play there and um like I was just blown away by, yeah, the people. Were you just, guys killed it. Oh, they like the videos are phenomenal. People are amazing. <laughs> yeah, just like it was such. It was a bit of like a three sixty for me, like to first go there and sort of see it to like be on stage and playing. It's just like the best experience ever for me. And um, well, there's probably easier thousand people in, in the video I saw. <laughs> and you and Angus are like you create like you're bringing people down for the drop, and then when it kicks in, the whole tent just lifts. Yeah, uh, and the thing it would feel is like um, oh, I like a lot of folk festivals. Like people are just very receptive. Like they want to be there to be dancing and to like you know celebrate with the music. So you already have like a very um, uh, crowd that's like willing to do that, I guess. But um, yeah. yeah, it was just just amazing <laughs> yeah i can't even explain <laughs> but so um, are you when i was watching that i was kind of thinking as well like you must be just so gone when you're playing right you're just in it yeah i think so um it's taken a bit of practice like for me i'm quite um a nervous person or like i i find performing a bit of a challenge but i think as i've done more of it you sort of realize um you kind of just have to let yourself go in the moment. And when you just sort of start playing and enjoying it, then the people are receptive to that and they relax and they enjoy it as well. And then like something just happens when that, when you can have that connection with like, if you're putting so much energy into your playing and the crowd feels that and they, they sort of, um, respond to that energy even more and then you feed back off that and it's just I don't know it's just like this amazing moment of just 
like this energy and like afterwards like you know you just be buzzing for ages like just everything feels like it's on fire or you like everything is just so alive in that moment I, I just love it it's like there's nothing like nothing else like yeah I want to take some <laughs> <laughs> I swear there's no drug that can even compete with it it's just I don't know yeah I love it it's so good <laughs> um and I, yeah I guess that's what we do in Austria is trying to create that moment like no it doesn't always happen as well it just it can be the wrong timing or um and you can just try and try and try and it's just not working and then other times it just clicks and you just have this moment like this amazing just moment in time where you get like people up and they're yeah they respond to it and yeah that's I guess what I live for <laughs> yeah I love that you guys as well you're using that language of of festivals and dance for it's funny how it kind of again if you reach back to the beginning of this conversation you were talking about growing up in Adelaide and not feeling like this was your music not having the as much of a connection to it and it being mm. a much older scene to now fast forward to the position you're in at the moment where you've completely carved out your own <laughs> section within this music within yeah. a, a city that already has a, a strong tradition you have your own thing mm. your own identity that's that's a brilliant move and you're still so young oh yeah thanks I guess <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't feel so young anymore but um yeah like I, I guess so like um I, I think having heard like a lot of really traditional music growing up I guess um yeah like I'd I think there's a few like uh, there's a few like quite a lot of bands now coming out with um a lot of experimenting with tunes like trying to put more like electro beats with it or um like from the top of my head there's like a band called uh Nightworks who've been doing that and um there's this piper as well I was trying to remember his name I can't remember his name he's from the 80s or 90s and he's he does all this really like out there experimental kind of um, electro stuff with tunes and some of it is just really cool. Um, but I guess, yeah, just trying to take it to new places, I suppose, and mm -hmm. um, see, yeah, just be creative, I guess, with it. And um, I also really appreciate, I think, more now um, – just sitting down having some humble tunes as well like uh especially the house that we've got at the moment there's angus myself and uh, our two housemates cameron and emma who are beautiful um violin players as well and um it's really nice to be able to sit down and just share tunes together um or like just to go to a session on the wednesdays and um yeah see all these like friends you've made and just share tunes like it's just that fam, uh, yeah, it's almost like a family or just like this really beautiful community of people that um, to have that connection is really special, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Are, are the four of you in lockdown together? Um. Uh, at the moment, uh, Cam and Emma they have to they house sitting um at a different place, so it's just Angus and myself at the <sighs> moment. So no lockdown tunes, unfortunately. Yeah. No, still house to yourself. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think we could have one more tune? And then I, I have some more questions around your uh, your album that you recently recorded. Yeah, sure thing. Um, what do you have in mind? I might just play like a, a slower tune. Actually, this is one 
I sort of think learned when I was uh, younger. It's called the Shealing Song. Um, I don't know why it just came to mind, but um, just for something mm. a bit different, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Was amazing yeah such a lovely piece yeah it was one of the first slow airs i think i ever learned so be, yeah nice to play <laughs> so with austral then you recently had a uh, a crowdfunding campaign uh, for making an album um yeah we're trying to we have this recording we did like uh, like a couple of years ago and it was literally just like this zoom microphone in the middle of a kitchen table and like the four of us just like around it <laughs> um and we just wanted to get something down but we've been using that for like two years like selling it on the streets and I think it's like oh yeah definitely in need of something of better quality so um yeah we just uh did a crowdfunding campaign uh this year and we managed, I think, yeah, we reached our goal. Um, so we're hopefully going to start recording soon. The process hasn't really started yet, just um, with a few other issues plus COVID <laughs> getting in the way. <laughs> yeah, um, well, <laughs> Yeah, that whole thing. So hopefully um, in June or July we're going to be able to put, some, uh, put something down and get an album out. <clears throat> Are you writing tunes 
Katie, do you write a lot of tunes yourself? Um, yeah, I'm trying to write a few more because um, we've one of our goals as well is to sort of have an album where most of it's all original stuff uh-huh. too. So um, I've been writing, um, yeah, I've been trying to write a little bit, a lot of stuff I don't like, but um, we've got a few tunes between myself and Angus. Yeah, we've written a few tunes like, so yeah. And, uh, <laughs> does, that, does that happen when you're just sitting around fittering about? You know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Um, I might just like play some, uh, be just practicing in that and then, um, yeah, just like start messing about and then come up with something. Or actually sometimes I find like if I've been to a festival or if I've been hanging out playing tunes for ages and they just, I get like, um, like this brainworm thing where I just like get tunes just like circulating in my head constantly and then they like morph and go weird and then sometimes I'll just have like little riffs in my head and then it just comes out as like something and I'll play it on the violin and then like make a tune out of it or something. Do you ever <laughs> but, dream um, do you ever dream tunes? Like have a tune when you're oh, just surfacing from sleep? Um no, I don't think I've ever I might have like once or twice, I don't know. Nothing's ever come out from my dreams, so I know. Okay, that's just me then. Do you dream? Okay. I dream, like I've, I've had on about three occasions I've had these these kind of tunes that have come up and I've, I've reached for a recorder and kind of like hummed them and then I listen to them in the morning and all there is is like... Does <laughs> 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 yeah, it turn so really So there doesn't... Something, there, there's something untouchably beautiful about these tunes that... that um, as I'm just coming out of sleep, that I guess they're never gonna, they're never gonna exist anywhere other than in that moment. One day. So you know. Anyway, sorry. It's kind of beautiful. Taking you off track there. <laughs> so Katie, as for I know there's not much uh, sessions happening at the minute, but if anyone is in Melbourne or passing through, where where do you normally frequent if people are trying to catch a tune with you? Um. Yeah, usually Wednesday nights at the last job, um, which was a session run by Patty Fitzgerald. And at the last job on Sunday afternoons, there's also um, there's a really nice session there. Um, I think the first hour is like some slow tunes, like really good for learning tunes, and then afterwards to kick up the pace a bit. And I think actually one of my favourite sessions in Melbourne is at the... Um, the Brothers Public House on in Brunswick and on Friday nights uh, starting about 8.30 or 9pm there's some tunes just in the front near the front window of the of the bar and I don't know that's a really nice session I don't know why I just really enjoy that one <laughs> yeah yeah it's quite a, it's a smaller venue too isn't yeah, it yeah it's just like some really nice intimate tunes and it's a good venue for it like there's like the little space for it. It's just really cozy and nice. And um, you get like, yeah, a lot of different people coming through to that session actually sometimes. So yeah, I like that one. Do you ever get to have a, a tune with dad? Um, yeah, if I go back home or um, if he's ever over in Melbourne, we usually have a tune here and there, <laughs> which is really nice. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you go back over there often? Um, I was trying, to, yeah, I try and get there at least um, a couple of times a year. Plus, um, sometimes dad comes over for like uh, the National Celtic Festival or if there's anything, any like music events happening here. But um, I haven't been back since like I think September last year just because of 
uh, yeah, the situation right now. So hopefully as soon as the borders lift, I really want to go back <laughs> just for a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, thank you so much for giving up your time this evening. That was an absolute cracking little chat. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Oh, it's totally our pleasure. This one really has been a long while coming. I'm such a fan of this podcast as well. Like, it's just so nice to hear, like, people's different stories and that. So it's, yeah, so nice to actually be on it. <laughs> if yeah. we could be cheeky and ask for a final tune, would that be all right? Um, I'll finish off with, um, because speaking... I don't know if this is a bit um, self-centred, but speaking of writing tunes, I've got a, a new set actually that um, I've sort of been working on during the COVID uh, with all the spare time. So I might just get Angus back and, yeah, I'll, I'll finish off with that one. It doesn't really have a name yet, um, but it's uh, it starts off with a 7-8 tune and then goes into a couple of reels. So and we might, I don't know, um, we might be able to put something together with Austral. I don't know. It's just early stages yet, but we'll give it a crack. <laughs> All right.
Seven, eight, Darren. <laughs> I was trying to, I was, I was, uh, I was counting along as Katie was playing. And yeah, I'm not that far advanced yet. So, so the first seven, eight in, in our entire 51 yeah. episodes. So. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for an absolutely cracking chat and pretty much. Tell you what, number yeah. 51. 51. How are you feeling about that? Does it does it, it doesn't even make a dent, really? But it's funny how you said last week. You you said episode fifty, and I think I was so caught up thinking about fifty two that I forgot fifty is a number as well. Oh, so fifty two being the year, a year. right? Yeah, right. So maybe uh... I don't know. I, I, it's um, I've been I've been thinking a lot about it. I always had. I think I thought about it quite a lot in maybe. And when we started entering the 40s, I'm like, oh, we're going to come up to a year and we're maturing really well. I'm really proud of what this is. What are we going to do for a birthday? I'd love to do something for my birthday. It's a significant come around. And then obviously COVID came and took a big dump on everyone's plans for everything. So I just shut up like everyone right. else is. Right. I'm sure but like, you've got a week. I'm not, we're not, I'm not saying we're not going to do anything, but... Right, we'll figure something out. Yeah, we're yeah. open to suggestions. If anyone wants to suggest <laughs> yourself or someone else or, so, or something else for us to do, let us know. And uh, <laughs> if we like it, we'll go for it. If not, we'll uh, make not. up some excuse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, look, uh, look, I can't let episode fifty-one go without me um, putting my hat out again. Thank you is oh, I always start off with thank you because it's a genuine thank you to our patrons. We we wouldn't and we couldn't do this if it wasn't for you so thank you so much for um for paying me and dom to to do what we do because that's really what it's it is um we had always said that this podcast would be listener funded so we we didn't want to take on advertisers and and we didn't want to have toyota coming in and things that were outside of what we were interested in being involved in the in the podcast and that's why it's great to have someone like darren kill fm we believe in 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 that product of course we're going to say with open arms yes you like that seems like a, a natural partnership we wouldn't be able to do it without our our patrons that put their hand in their pocket once a month and 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 pay um so thank you so much to you guys for going over there and doing that people always come and go and this um this podcast takes a lot of time so if you get value from it we put this in every one of our signatures but if you get value from it if each week you look forward to downloading the episode if you can afford it please please chip in a few dollars so so we can continue making it and and help pay for for us to actually get out there and and make it because uh it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money to make it um if you can't we understand you can't and that's why we we set on this endeavor knowing that a very small percentage of our listeners will be the ones paying for the the larger percentage and that's fine if you can't afford it why not share it why not give us some ratings subscribe um tell your friend about it there's loads of ways you can you can spread the love without putting your hand in the pocket yeah absolutely yeah so yeah we That's are it. eternally grateful. Yeah, listen, thanks so much and really looking forward to next week. Hopefully, look, whatever happens, there'll be something. Maybe we'll have some candles and a aye, cake. Because me and Dom are in the same room now. Well, now tonight. you're on the champagne. That's, well. Uh, who knows? The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. As long as it... <laughs> <laughs> I got you a glass of dog food. <laughs> um, thank you again, Katie Brennan. Classic episode. Brilliant. Blarney Pilgrims. 
See you next week. Good luck. Hi, my name is Pietro. Please become a good subscriber to the podcast. Thank you.